Well, Happy New Year. So yeah, as you can tell, no worship team this morning, no Pastor Corey this morning. So you get the, uh, the backup guy. <laughs> Corey is here. I'm glad that he's here. I'm glad that he can uh, just come in and, and kind of take the week off, right? He deserves that. But it's good to be in the presence of the church this morning, amen? amen. What a good way to kick off the new year. It's kind of cool that we get to come to church on New Year's Day. Last week we were in church on Christmas Day. It's kind of, I don't know how often that happens. It doesn't seem like very often, though. I don't know if I've ever kind of experienced that, but I thought it was pretty cool that we could celebrate the New Year as a church coming together. I spent the last couple weeks contemplating this idea of a new year, what it means, what it signifies. I believe that God has given us this system of dates and times intentionally, ultimately to create order. Uh, we see this all throughout Scripture. We also see this in how we schedule our days, right? Dates and times also act as a way to define new beginnings. We've all experienced them, right? And we see this most easily throughout the or through the ending of a day. What happens at the end of the day? Other than last night, last night was a little tricky. <laughs> but we go to sleep, right? We close our eyes, our bodies rest. We wake up the next day miraculously, but we're refreshed. There's this new day, and it kind of brings us new opportunities, right? You can kind of put the, the day before, if you had a bad day, okay, it's behind us now. And now you have this new day. It's almost like a reset. And a new year is similar to that, right? The time to reflect, yet also prepare. We look forward, we plan. Some people go into a new year just glad to close out the last chapter, right? The last year. All right, glad that one's behind us. Others do it with this rejuvenated optimism, right? Some sort of excitement, setting goals or resolutions. I'm one that likes to start the new year beginning um, with refreshed thoughts and goals. I like to, okay, I made some mistakes, maybe I did some good things, but okay, it's a new year, draw the line in the sand, here's what my plan is moving forward. It's a reset, right? But spiritually, I believe we should approach a new year in two ways. First is reflection. I think we need to reflect back in praise and worship, right? Because as bad as last year might have been, was God not still good through it? <laughs> Did God not still sustain us through it? As a church, I've said it multiple times, but God has sustained us as a local body here. Brought us a new pastor. You're not new anymore, Corey. <laughs> that was last year. Now you're just our pastor. But it's been good, right? And we can look back and we need to look back and celebrate those good things. Right? It's okay. We can understand that we had bad things that might have happened. But don't let that be what defines the last year. Let's praise God and worship him in the, in the good things. And even through the bad things because there's reasons that those took place too. 
So we reflect back, we praise and worship, but we also look forward. And how do we do that? We do that trusting in obedience. Okay, so we, we don't know what this year is going to bring. And after the last couple of years, it's safe to say anything, like anything can happen, right? But how do we approach this new year? We trust and we have obedience in God, right? How do we live obediently? We read and study the Word. Right? We need to know what the Word says. We don't know what it says. We can't be obedient to it, right? So we've got to start by reading God's Word. But also we live obediently by sharing the Gospel. Right? We take that gospel message out. It's the Great Commission. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He commands us to go and share this gospel message. I like what Mark says here. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It was a few weeks ago that that was like the verse of the day in the Bible app. And I um, really thought about that. <clears throat> go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now we're not just talking about people anymore. <laughs> we're talking about bugs. Trees, grass, everything, the sky. Have you ever thought about that? I read that and I contemplated that. I shared it with my, my friend. And that week I was actually, I was out hunting, okay? Really just sitting, but we call it hunting. And I was <laughs> sitting amongst the creation. And I sat there and I was in this, like, kind of these weeds, and I, I proclaimed the gospel to the weeds. And it sounds strange, doesn't it? And I, I shared this with my friend. I was like, you know, after last week, I actually, I proclaimed the gospel to the weeds I was sitting in. And that's weird. And he's like, but Bobby, that, that isn't weird. Why is that weird? What's weird is what we see in the world happening around us, Right? The stuff being shoved down our throats. That stuff is weird. You sharing the gospel with creation is what we should be doing. We should be looking at the weeds, the trees, the stars in the sky, the, the sun, the moon, and saying, God, God is good, right? doesn't mean you share and tell them about Jesus. <laughs> but you, you proclaim Christ to them. Everywhere we go, we should be doing this. It's commanded of us. And we see great examples of people living this out in the early church. People who had such a deep belief because of their first-hand testimony. This morning, we're back in the book of Acts, picking up where we left off a few weeks ago at the beginning of chapter 8. We'll see a ministry shift for the early church. How God allowed his people to endure persecution to advance the gospel. And how the believers responded to it. So if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to start at the uh, second part of verse 1 there. 
says this, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this new year. Lord, we thank you for this, this past year, too. Lord, just the different trials that we've endured individually or even as a church. Lord, you make those things good for your purpose, and we might not understand what that is yet, but Lord, we trust and we believe it. Lord, we ask this morning that you would guide us into this new year, that this message this morning would speak to each one of us, Lord, give us encouragement and, and push us to, to be sharers of the word. Lord, I just ask that you to speak through me into the hearts and the minds and the souls of everyone that's here this morning. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, chapter 8 tells us of this ministry shift for the early church. So I think it's good to do a brief recap of what has brought us to this point. If we look back at chapter 1, verse 8, we see where Jesus explained the advancement of the gospel, how the advancement of the gospel would unfold. Go to Acts 1, 8, says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus said it, so it happens, right? Of course. When you look at this verse and when we read through the book of Acts, we actually see this as a historical outline. Chapters 1 through 7, you see how the gospel messages spread throughout Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12, you see that the gospel messages spread through all Judea and Samaria. Chapters 13 through 28, the gospel goes to the end of the earth. Just as Jesus said it would. We see at the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And by the end of the chapter, thousands of people were being baptized and saved. There was a huge awakening for new believers daily. The gospel message of Jesus Christ was moving quickly. As we read further, we see the Holy Spirit move in this ripple effect throughout Jerusalem. By chapter 4, we see the church had grown to 5,000. 
In comparison, I looked up some numbers. Population of Oxford is 3.5 thousand. Downtown Oxford. Oxford Township's like 23,000. Okay. But 5,000, so that'd be more than everyone that lives in the downtown area of Oxford. <coughs> People hearing the word. There are miracles and healings alongside the message, which would confirm its truth. And it would continue to expand the local church daily. By the end of chapter 4, we see this almost utopian image of the church. Those who believed were of one heart and soul. They had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. Such a beautiful picture of what the church looked like. Imagine 5,000 people getting along. <laughs> I've got three little ones in my house. They don't get along almost ever. <laughs> And I work with people, too, that are adult age, and we don't get along very often either. So imagine 5,000 people coming together with one heart and soul, loving each other fully. They had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. Such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. But of course, it doesn't last long we quickly begin to see these people persecuted for their faith and profession of Jesus as the Messiah. If you look at chapter 4, Peter and John are the first to be imprisoned, commanded to refrain from speaking or teaching at all in the name of Jesus. In chapter 5, all the apostles are next to be imprisoned. They were beaten and again charged not to speak in the name of Jesus. Despite this, they chose not to stop. Instead, they continued, if you remember, what they do immediately. <laughs> they just went right back to doing it. And they were beaten for it. They were imprisoned and then beaten, released. Chapter 6, finally, we see Stephen, initially chosen as one of the seven to be responsible over the distribution of food to widows in the early church. He was a man full of grace and power. He was doing great wonders and signs among the people, surely expanding the gospel and growing the church. Yet he was charged with blasphemy and stoned to death for his faith. See, these men knew what they faced. Yet in the face of those charges, and even the imprisonment, the beatings, and facing death, they held fast to their faith. What a great picture of obedience for us. We like to throw around the, the word persecution today as if it bears any resemblance of what those in the early church went through. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen across the world. But if you look at what we experience here in this country, it's nothing close to what they went through. I mean, most, if anything, we might have some ridicule from peers. We see this negative push in our society. I mean, for me, the most, I mean, I've dealt with a little bit here and there, 
just recently, I, I, you guys see my truck, I've got the Jesus sticker on there. Pulled up into work one day, walk into the office, on the job site, one of the guys says, oh, I didn't know you were a Bible thumper. <clears throat> like, I don't, is that persecution or is that a good thing? I was like, yeah, I am, actually. I'm talk about the Bible. But have you been imprisoned? Have you been beaten? Do you know anyone personally who's been stoned for sharing their faith? So big question for you this morning and heading into this new year is what's stopping you from sharing the gospel? I mean, the most you might experience is somebody telling you no. <laughs> they might laugh at you. These guys were, they, they went into prison. They were imprisoned. Some were released and then beaten. Then they saw their friend Stephen stoned to death. What's stopping you from sharing the gospel? We're still free to spread this message of hope. We better be doing it. I mean, it's a great opportunity right now. And we've been commanded to do it by God. Don't forget that. Okay, so we've seen the local church in Jerusalem grow and expand abundantly and become this beautiful picture of the body of Christ. But then in this overlapping fashion, we've seen persecution begin to take place. Increasing in severity. From imprisonment to the stoning of Stephen, which brings us into chapter 8. This great persecution. Verses 1 through 3 says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So it says, on that day, This is the same day as Stephen's stoning. We see this great persecution begin against the entire church now. Up to this point, it was just individual persecution. Now against, it's against the entire local church, which again would have been well over 5,000 people. I imagine there was probably some fear, some turmoil, some uncertainty, possibly even some announcing their faith. It says the people were scattered. They left Jerusalem just as Jesus said and scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Why did they scatter? Well, first, they'd just seen or heard of Stephen being falsely accused for accused for blasphemy and then ultimately stoned as a form of punishment. If you know anything about stoning, there's this form of capital punishment 
intended to send a clear message to the people. Sometimes it would result in a quick death. A stone hit just right, maybe. But most of the time, it would last anywhere from 20 minutes. could be up to two hours. A brutal way to go. And that would obviously send quite the example and message to the peers and the people around, right? So first, they understand this death of Stephen. And then secondly, Saul was ravaging the church. Remember, these people lived together. They shared everything. 5,000 people. Imagine this village of Oxford with a few more people. Stephen is now killed. And Saul comes through dragging men and women, presumably children as well, out of their houses and throwing them in prison. So we went from this utopia, everything was good, to now Saul is literally going through, pulling people out of their houses. How would you respond? It's a very ugly and disturbing sight for these people. So why did they leave? Out of fear, turmoil. But notice this. All left except for the apostles. This is another powerful example of faith. I mean, they could have easily fled as well. Yet they stayed. And why? Well, first, to take care of Stephen and his death. I mean, they could have just ditched the dude, right? <laughs> Let the dead bury their own dead. But no, they, they stayed. They honored him which is a significant point here. It says that they buried him and great, made great lamentation over him. Lamentation is an open vocal weeping and mourning, which was not allowed for someone who had been stoned to death. Yet they grieved openly. Imagine they're probably shouting, crying out, probably a little bit of anger towards the Sanhedrin, right? You just killed Stephen. Stephen was our guy. He didn't do anything wrong. It's probably a little bit more extreme than that. I don't get loud too often. But they probably got loud. They were crying out. They were upset. They were hurt. So the apostles stayed to honor Stephen. It's also reasonable to believe that the apostles stayed in Jerusalem to continue to lead and support the community of believers that were still there. The ones that remained behind. Maybe even pointing them in the right direction. So Saul is ravaging the local church, literally wreaking havoc the people are fleeing. The apostles are staying put for now to take care of their business. Again, I can't help but picture just a tumultuous time that these people lived in. 
And in the midst of this great persecution, it would have been easy for them to denounce their faith, right? Like, wait, this isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> I thought this was going to be good. But that's not what happened. We read on, we see this persecution comes with a purpose. Verses 4 through 7 says this, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I read this and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Do we need to paint the picture again of what, what they just saw, what just happened? After all they had just been through, they literally, these people lost their homes, their possessions, separated from friends, family, yet they keep spreading this message. Ripped out from their homes, some of them. They're fleeing. Everything's, it's, it's crazy. But they've got resiliency and determination. And we see this common theme now. We saw it with Peter and John. Right? When they were imprisoned. When they were freed, what did they start doing? Sharing the gospel still. And we saw it with all the apostles. We even saw it with Stephen. At any point, Stephen can say, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but that rocks. No, up until his death, he proclaimed it. These men were persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, murdered, run out of their homes, yet they did not forsake their mission. Why do you think they keep they kept preaching the word? Because they believed it. This wasn't some artificial faith. If it had been, they would have never survived. Rather, these people had seen and heard firsthand. They were professing, baptized believers. Lives changed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, do you believe it this morning? And when I say believe, I'm saying the believe, believe kind of faith. Okay? Not just that, I've heard that, it sounds good, I believe that. I'm talking the believe, believe kind of faith that you would take that to your death. That when you're confronted, do you second guess yourself? Or you say, no, this is what I believe. And are you sharing that message? When your life, your life has been changed, to me that's a first-hand experience. That's a, a that life change experience happened to you. That's something that you witnessed, that you've seen yourself. The Holy Spirit has shared this message with you. You've received it. Your life is now new. 
You believe it. And because you believe it, you tell everyone about it. Pick on Corey a little bit here. There's probably a lot of people yesterday that believed Michigan was going to win that game. <laughs> I was one of them. And I was believing it up until that last play. Right? That's targeting. There's still a chance. Right? Who was with me? Anybody else? <laughs> we were all there. Wait, if they overturn that, they get the ball back. And... Right? We believe some stupid things sometimes. <laughs> and we run with those little beliefs to crazy ends. But do we have that same excitement with the gospel? With the things that truly matter? And do we share that same excitement, that same hope with people that are around us that are hurting, that are dying, that are dead in their sins? Let's keep going. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. We see Philip here spreading the gospel now into Samaria, just as Jesus had declared. Now, I don't believe that Philip just decided on his own accord to go there. Well, I guess I better go to Samaria now. Rather, I believe it was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that led him completely. He went because that's where he was led. And his positioning was completely God-timed. It was God that sent Philip there. And we see this. How? Because the Holy Spirit was working. The Holy Spirit was there drawing people in to hear the word and working miracles among them as a testament to its truth. Wow. This persecution turned out for the good of the church. The scattered church now began scattering the gospel like seeds. Remember back to the Great Commission, Jesus says to make disciples of all nations, teaching and baptizing, but you do that as you go. You can't just keep scattering the seeds where they were. There's 5,000 people, right? They've kind of reached capacity there. So did God use Stephen's persecution to disrupt that local body and force them to move out of Jerusalem? Of course. Would they have gone on their own? Well, we don't know. But knowing how stubborn people can be, I don't think so. They probably would have just stayed there. Right? Everything's good. It's hunky-dory. So God made this disruption in the local church. Spread the people out. Now they're all spreading the gospel out. And we see finally that this good news brings joy. See verse 8, it says, there, So there was much joy in that city. 
the gospel message, the same message that brought persecution, also brought joy. Can you find hope in that going into this new year? Philip went into Samaria, uprooted from his home, but couldn't wait to tell the people why. I'm sure they might have asked, like, well, hey, what are you guys doing here? And he probably told them what had just happened. And as he proclaimed the Christ, they paid attention. For unclean spirits crying, crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Wow. So imagine witnessing loved ones who were sick or lame are now healed. There would probably be this overwhelming sense of joy, right? Like, oh my gosh, Jimmy's walking. <laughs> I reflect back on my own testimony, the trials that I endured, so that Christ would be magnified through it. my testimony think of yourself the trials that you've gone through what is it that God's taken you through so that he could be magnified and glorified through so some thoughts heading into this new year in our obedience to the word we must continue to act as ambassadors of Christ How do we do that? Well, first, we need to be prepared for persecution of any shape and size. How? By clinging to the Word of God. Know it. Study it. Jesus told us a couple times, He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. He says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. He also says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, that I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we understand, we know. <laughs> we start professing this faith, we start telling people about this Jesus. <laughs> it's weird, but people all of a sudden like hate you for it. Think differently about you because of it. Like, call you a Bible thumper. <laughs> we also need to use this new year as a new opportunity to refocus refocus on the Great Commission. It's been commanded to us. Are you doing it? Is our church doing it? We also need to use the power of our testimony to share the gospel with our friends and family and neighbors. Remember when the people were scattered, the apostles stayed behind. 
think of this, the apostles stayed behind. Who was it now that was sharing the gospel? It was laymen and women. Jewish converts to Christ. There were people like me and you. They didn't have deep theological backgrounds and understanding, but you know what they did have? The power of the Holy Spirit living in them. And the strength of their testimony. They had just seen it. If either first or secondhand eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And then they had seen the Holy Spirit come upon them, right? They'd seen this church grow. They had that believe, believe kind of faith. No denying it. So we've all been scattered across the earth. Where have you been scattered to? And are you scattering gospel seeds? Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for the trials, the, even the persecution, Lord, of the early church. Lord, how crazy and chaotic that had to have been how scary it had to have been for those people. But Lord, you had a greater purpose. You used that, the persecution. You even used death, the stoning death of Stephen, or to advance this gospel message. As we we continue on throughout this, this book of Acts that we're going to see that the gospel message moves throughout the whole, the whole earth. And I'm thinking this morning of how it's got to each one of us here. All because of this persecution that happened thousands of years ago. Now this message has gone out and reached us individually this morning. Lord, I pray for each one of us. I pray for our church. Lord, that those of us who receive this message, who know it, who believe it, who have been changed, who have been baptized, who profess this faith, Lord, that we would go out and we would take this message to everyone. Lord, that we would share this hope to the people. That they would see the joy that we have even in the midst of our circumstances, Lord, that they wonder why, and that we, we tell them about this Christ. This Jesus who came to pay the price for our sins, Lord. So that we'd be redeemed back to you. Lord, we thank you for that, that truth this morning. We also pray, Lord, I pray for anyone else that's here this morning that might not fully believe or they don't have that believe, believe type of faith Lord, I'm talking about. Maybe they're unsure where they're at. Lord, I pray that you would reach down into their hearts. Lord, that you would soften their hearts, you'd open their eyes to see this truth. This amazing grace, this Jesus, Lord, who brings peace in the midst of turmoil, who gives us hope and joy in this life. Lord, I pray going into this new year again that we would be a church that would move 
can't spread our gospel. See, it's here in this building. We've got to go outside of it. Lord, work through us. Show us where to go. Lead us. And pave the way ahead of us. And Lord, we love you and thank you so much for who you are. In Jesus' name.